Good morning, this is Lisa Peter coming to you from the Ill Edwin Elder Library. Today I'm going to be covering from my notes and maybe a little bit of ad-libbing from the four women who are called by women who have answered by Sister Kim Haney book and contributing authors. We are covering chapter four. The call requires all. Now I have lots of notes. I couldn't believe it when I was looking through here to see how many notes I had for today. It was quite a lot of notes. So what I'm probably going to do is try not to ad-lib a lot. I'm going to try not to ad-lib because there's a lot of notes here. The call requires all. The evidence of a true calling is if you're willing to give it all, everything. God can only use vessels who are willing to give him everything. Your dreams, your desires, your time, your goals, your image, your self-worth, and your security. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You are not your own. Total consecration and death of self-desires. Surrender to the call of God completely as he will... So he will effectively operate through us. Is every department and every detail of my life living for the Lord's purpose? Or is any part of me being lived for myself? You have to ask yourself this question. Sell out to your calling. A life consumed from the inside out, allowing the Lord to fill every inner sanctuary and personal goal. You must lay your personal insecurities and pressure of pleasing others upon the altar of the calling. Do not step out of the will of God. When we truly surrender our lives, then great anointing and power can flow. A vessel capable of great use in the kingdom. The Lord will bring you to secret places where you will privately have dominion. And he will send you on missions of his choosing where you will publicly have deliverance for people. He'll send you the right places. That, uh, that just brought to my mind about Paul. Apostle Paul, when he had that vision of a man calling him to Macedonia, it's like, come over and help us. But we can't see in the scripture anywhere where Paul saw that man. In fact, he found a group of women, and Lydia was one of them, the seller of purple. And her whole household was um, saved, though, because of Paul. And then later he did get thrown in prison, and who's to say? But perhaps that jailer, that jailer, could have been the man that Paul saw in the vision. We don't know, but God will send you. He will put, He will choose where to send you. And your call will cost all. It will cost all. A true calling from the Lord to minister his word publicly to his people will cost you everything. <clears throat> but oh, the reward to see lives affected for eternity through his powerful word. Worth every bit of sacrifice. God will not use someone that he cannot trust. He must own you. That's your thoughts. That's everything. And um, like I said, I didn't want to ad-lib a lot, but I actually have something to add here. I ordered a book that I saw one of my Facebook friends had posted, and I'd ordered books that she has recommended before, and I had been really pleased. If you know who Jane Austen was, um, an author, um, that was over a hundred years ago. She died over a hundred years ago. But a lot of the books have been made into movies and a lot of schools um, use her books as part of the reading um, material. 
I know Freed Hardeman does, my friend Margaret. She likes Jane Austen books and, um, you know, in them, a lot of teas, uh, T-E-A, you know, the, the drink teas, um, tea parties, and a lot of formal, a lot of fancy Victorian things. Uh, it's, um, it's a romance. But um, anyway, I bought a book um, that one of my friends had um, recommended called Praying with Jane. It was a devotional, and I've used that. Uh, I ordered about a year ago. And I um, I loved it. And so when the same friend, and, and she was the author of that book, but then she also um, recommended another Jane Austen Society. And so I ordered that, and it came yesterday. In fact, yesterday was the first day it was out on the market. I pre-ordered it, and so I got it right when it first came out. But, you know, as I was reading it last night, I was going to stay awake all night and read the whole book. That's That was my plans. And, but I didn't get very far in. It's like chapter four or something. There was a scene. There was uh, there was something explicit in there, and I was so disappointed because the first three chapters wasn't like that. And I'm like, oh no, you know. And at first, I just tried to just skim through a little bit past it and get onto something else. And but I just didn't feel good. It just, you know, what's Philippians four and eight say? Whatsoever things are pure and clean and good report, think on these things. You cannot let anything affected and so i i got it from, i got it through amazon which i thank god i did i thank god i did because amazon is so good about letting you return stuff so um they've already um sent me a label in the email i just got to print it out and take it back to the ups and it won't it's not going to cost me anything to return it and i'll get a full refund and i praise god for that i'm, I'm glad that i was smart enough to get it through uh a place that I could get a refund because I don't want that in my home. Um, I just, you know, that's just part of it. A call will cost all. It will cost all. He must own you to be totally consumed with the birth of the call of God on your life. David wanted to build an altar and offer the sacrifice God required in the place God had specified in order to stop the plagues that were killing the people of the land. First Samuel 24 and 24 and verse 25. It cost him something. The call will necessitate a higher level of commitment and release of personal dreams and goals. But the rewards are unending and it's worth every mile. First Kings 19, 19 and 21. When God calls you to a certain place of ministry, you cannot pursue your old dreams, occupation, vocation. You can't leave your, oh, you have to leave your nets and follow him. It requires both total commitment and single vision, dedication. You got to keep your focus on him. Is everything we do is it is it building towards that goal that that is it taking us closer to heaven? Is it making us fall closer in God? Are we um I got this picture here. I mention it all the time cuz it's right here in front of where I'm doing my um my podcast. It's Sister Edwina Elder, the one that we named the library after. And she has got a prophecy chart, and it's in Urdu. And I don't know how any of that language it just looks like a bunch of scribbles to me. But with her pointer, she's pointing to the cross. I do understand that. And I really believe that God helped me to find this picture to remind me to always point others to the cross. It will just um, teach them the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the doctrine. And that's what we've got to do is repent and be baptized in, in his name and be filled with his spirit. 
So that's the, that's part of our sacrifice is just selling out completely and keep our interest on the things of God, on that call of God. The first sacrifice is number one, our plans, our desires, and our dreams. He replaces those with true treasures, changing lives for eternity. You simply are not able to dream big enough for your own life. And two, your time. Your time becomes his time. He will be your calendar master. His yoke is truly easy and his burden is light. He will pull the heavier part of the load. Pray first and then obey. Number three, the third sacrifice is money. Trust God with your finances. Faithfully tithe and give money to the kingdom's causes. You know, here with this coronavirus, I've lost a lot of my lessons. I went from 16 lessons per week down to three or four. And I'm serious. That's a big financial strain. And I went from babysitting. Um, uh, God was good to me uh, that the little girl I usually babysit, um, I've had her since she was six months old. Anyway, her parents are teachers. And so even there was three weeks during the coronavirus that I didn't have her, they still paid me for those three weeks. And that was a blessing. But now that summer has come on, um, I'm going to have like six or eight weeks. I won't have her. And so, see, that's a little bit of financial strain. But you know, what money do I need? God knows already what I need. He already was going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It's not, you know, I will have enough. I will have enough. And then I don't have to worry. I don't have to, you know, make bukus and bukus of money because God will provide through my husband and, and me, us together. We will have enough. Probably more than enough. Because we, if you open up my refrigerator, things fall out at you. we got too much stuff. And so, you know, abundant, abundant. He gives abundance. But anyway, back to my book. Sacrificing our agenda, our time, our money. For ministry brings so many added blessings. The Lord does require our total allegiance in every area. Your call will cost you all. To whom much is given, much is required. You know? That's true. You're not your own. You're not your own. And so you've got to, um, you've got to, to sell out to, um, the needs and, and give of yourself freely. Don't, don't always think, well, I'm going to do this. So God blesses me. No, he does. He does bless you, but that's not why you do it. You don't give of your tithe and of your offerings and stuff expected in return. No, you give out of the love and the abundance of your heart. You give because, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Think what God can do with a vessel that is totally sold out to him. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Uh, 2 and 9. I have not seen nor ear heard. You know, God will test you to see if you are serious about the call. And that's what our prayer theme was today. Our focus today was about in Job. He had said, talked about that when we're tested, you know, we will be tried in the fire like uh, pure gold. We will come out like pure gold when he tries us. When God tries us, we will be something. And we don't like that test. I was thinking about that today when I was praying. It's like, Lord, we don't really like the test. We want to be the pure gold, but we don't really like going through the trials. But diamond, there's no diamonds form without first have been cold. Coal. I said cold, I meant coal. Um, there, you know, they have to go through much pressure. All the all the um, minerals and um, precious stones of in the world. The pearl, the pearl is uh, an oyster's irritant that it wraps stuff around and become a pearl. 
And that's our life. God will test us to see if we're serious about the call. He will check and make sure that we are. Only when there was a sacrifice involved would God step on the scene through pain, blood, and death. The calling itself would not bring an anointing. The calling must be nurtured and fed through a consistent prayer life, sold out to the call. The biggest hindrance to a woman who feels the call of ministry is the misplacement of self. If self is dominating your spirit, if self-image priorities your need to become something or to prove something to someone else, you will become your greatest hindrance. God does not glory in human flesh. Who is on the throne? Keep God first and foremost in every area of your life. You know, that's always, um, that's often been my desire. And I've even prayed about it. It's like, Lord, when I get to heaven, I want to be your cupbearer. You know, I, I want to be the one that um, gets to drink from that cup before I give it to him. Um, thinking, you know, um, um, that I could, I'd be close to him. But that'll give me a that'll give me a reason. I'll have to part the the crowds. I have to part and let me through to get close to him. I I got to be near to Jesus. That's what I was thinking. But you know, when he was on the cross, you know, they offered him they offered him vinegar and um, gall to drink. And, you know, um, he talked to Peter about, you know, you got, you will have taken this um, cup talking about death. And so, you know, um, the cup bearer that we made, I may have to be his cup bearer here on earth means I may have to suffer persecution. I may have to go through some things. I don't know. I don't know what he has in store, but this is part of our test. He won't put more on us than we can bear, but he will try and make sure that we are willing and ready. What we say we're going to do that we are really the vessels he can trust and keep him on the throne of our life. Lovest thou me more than these? These included what others thought, the desire to be recognized, the sacrifice of the calling. God makes us who we are supposed to be only when he is Lord of all. He will take you back to the altar where you first surrender your life to God to be whatever he wanted you to be. Not everyone goes through the same level of sacrifice. But it will be something if God has, to- has truly called you. There will be something that you'll go through if God has truly called you. Release it to the one you love more than all of these. You will not have the opportunity to be in control of your calling and mold your own future. You can't pick where God's going to use you. You can't pick the platform, so to speak. <laughs> I, I was just saying that thing. Yeah, you can't, if you're a woman in ministry, you can't pick what platforms you go speak on. You're going to be willing to do whatever God calls you to do. When you say yes to God and yes to his calling, this level of commitment will be tested again and again. We don't truly know what is inside our own hearts. That is why we have to trust the one who does. The Lord tested Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 32 and 31. God will also test the lives of those he trusts to carry his gospel. You are a special vessel that must remain poured out and emptied so that his anointing can flow through you. This testing will reveal what is really going on inside our heart. Levels of commitment to the call. <clears throat> this is really interesting to me. Excuse me just a second. <clears throat> Trying to clear my throat. Um, when I first started doing these devotionals, the very first devotional that he gave me to do seven years ago was called The Emptying of Oneself. You know, before he can use us, he, we have to be empty, and then he can fill us. He can fill us with his anointing in that Right, went with the notes that Sister Haney had. Whatever it is you ask of me, if it is small or great, I am releasing it to you. That's how you got to say. 
if you are going to walk worthy of the call, you have to learn to live victoriously in either extreme. Philippians 4 and 12. Be content. Be content. You represent the call. What you wear is a powerful statement. Your clothes affect your confidence, and people made their assessments. People make their assessments on who they think you are based on what you are wearing. Oh my! See there, there's a fine line there about, you know, you don't want to go out and spend bukus of money because then you'd be judged for that. But if you're a frumpy and don't even care, then they'll judge you on that as well because you remember your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, so you want to represent Him well. We are representing the King. That doesn't mean go out and spend bukus of money, but it means to be classy. It means to be modest. It means to be holy and cover yourself and don't wear tight-fitting clothing. Don't wear low plunging necklines. Don't do anything to bring things to attention over attention to yourself. You want God to be, you want to represent him. You're an ambassador. Formal clothes tend to exhibit stronger leadership skills. Also better on abstract thinking and focusing on the big picture. I, I was in an, an interpreter for many years, and that's the thing. Uh, you see a lot of interpreters wear solid collars and uh, a lot of times uh, black. And that's so, um, see, just think of a deaf person. They have to focus on that person interpreting for them. They don't get to look away a whole lot because they might miss what's being signed. And so you don't want to wear a lot of busy, bright, clothes um and you don't want to wear a lot of jewelry or any i don't wear any jewelry but you know you don't want to have a lot of distractions um bright if you if you paint your fingernails you don't want bright colors um i have sometimes more white gloves and that's because um i thought that would keep more focus on my hands and then that but it's really it's not necessary you don't need to wear white gloves uh you just need to um and, and that, that I was using sign language because that's a big part of who I am. I am an interpreter for the deaf. But that's also true as a minister. Um, you want to have, you don't want to have stuff that just really distracts people from what you're trying to say and what you're trying to teach. First impressions are powerful. A person's first impression is formed within 7 to 18, oh no, 7 to 17 seconds. Oh, 17 doesn't look like anything like 18. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, a person's first impression is formed within 7 to 17 seconds, and it will count for 55% of their opinion of you. Success requires that everything about what you're doing be consistent with your goals and aspirations. You literally become what you are destined to become. You become what you do. Yeah, but you hear that in everything. You know, it's like... um Oh, I thought of that Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. You know, he's like, um, or my that lady I listened to, uh, Terry Seville Foy, a lot of times she has vision boards. You know, keep out in front of you what you want, what your goals and stuff. And to, to a certain degree, that's that's a good thing. Um, but especially if you keep focus on heaven and Jesus coming and having your lamps full of oil, those kind of things, that's what we're determined. We are destined to become women and men, but we're talking mostly to women right now, um, of God. We are his ambassadors. I said that just a minute ago, but that's true. What does an ambassador do? They represent their country, and we're in this world, but we're not of it. We are representing heaven, a heavenly kingdom. If the secular world understands this powerful fact, dress for success, then how much more for the woman who is called by God to represent the kingdom of God? It's about representing the call of God upon your life. 
when you are a woman with the calling of God upon your life, you no longer belong to yourself. And that's some of the stuff we already talked about. This call is a serious thing, and the outward appearance must reflect what is being done inwardly. It's not really about the clothes. A lot of times people say, you know, you can't, God looks at the heart. You can't judge somebody by what they're wearing. But if the heart's right, then the outward appearance follows. It's true, you could look holy on the outside and be filthy on the inside because Jesus even used that example about the cup. You know, the outward could be clean and the inside be filthy. You don't want to drink out of a dirty cup. But if the outside is clean, then also you want to clean the outside. You want to take attention to detail. You want to clean the outside as well. So it's about the office of the calling. It's about the call of God that you represent. Genesis 3.21, God made garments for Adam and Eve because it was so important how they were clothed. Their fig leaves was not enough. God had to sacrifice an animal and make them garments. The priest garments, you know, in Exodus 28.1-3, it talks about what they had to wear. It, was, it mattered. These glorious garments were anointed. Oh, appointed. I need to learn how to read my own writing. Number one, that the priests themselves might be reminded of the um, dignity of their office and might behave themselves with due decorum. Number two, the second reason, and the people would feel a holy reverence for the ministers of God who appeared in such grandeur. Number three, that the priests might be types of Christ without spot. Our adorning is not to be of gold and of pearl and costly array, but the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. Holiness is made evident by our choices in clothing. Clothing can be connected to a spirit. As women of God, we must be aware of the clothing we put on our bodies and aware of the fact that it can... I can't read my writing here. Okay. Um, it, exo it exudes spiritual, carnal, and sensual um, vibes to others around us. We must prayerfully ask guidance over the choices of clothing we make. Number one, do you want to be godly or number two do you want to be sexy you cannot be both you can be classy you can be godly and classy and that's what i talked about already you can you can be very sophisticated and look cool and and modern or classy some clothes don't really go out of style not some of the classy things you don't want to be frumpy i don't talked about that this doesn't mean you should look frumpy or plain, but the finest that displays the king that we represent. Remember, the call requires all. The times demand to be sold out, consecrated, on fire for God. Women who are called, who follow the old paths that produce powerful, anointed ministers. And that was in large print I put it in my book. So tomorrow we'll go on to chapter 5. So God bless you. I hope that really touched you. You have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.